Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for Sunday, December 18th, as the Flyers coming off a 6-3 loss over the New York Rangers last night at Wells Fargo Center. One more home game in the calendar year 2022. That'll be Tuesday night against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Flyers will head out for a couple on the road before Christmas, some more on the road after Christmas, and we'll return to Wells Fargo Center coming up on January 5th. Lots of things to discuss in this game. Let's get to the game first, and then we're going to get to the 21 games in 40 days. Then we're going to get to Kevin Hayes and some other things. But let's start with the game last night. 6-3 final, two empty net goals for the Rangers. Flyers in the game, battled back to get within a goal twice. They actually scored the first goal of the game. James Van Riemsdyk on a spinorama in front off a feed from Owen Tippett. Opened the scoring, put the Flyers up 1-0. Then Panarin, I love this play by Panarin because he starts the rush out of the Rangers zone, inside his own blue line. Gets the puck up the ice to Zabanajad, who then dumps it off to Barkley Goudreau. And then the guy who finishes it is the guy who was deep in his own zone, Artemi Panarin, who started it. As soon as he got rid of the puck, he took a beeline for the far post of the net, and he gets the pass from Goudreau, a great cross-ice pass, and he puts it by Carter Hart, ties the game at one. That's how the first period would end. Go to the second period. Flyers with a couple of power plays, actually good-looking power plays, really good opportunities, some really good saves from Yaro Halak, who got the start over Igor Shosturkin. Flyers weren't able to cash in, and when that second power play expired, the Rangers went right down the ice, and Keandre Miller got a breakaway kind of after stumbling and falling and ended up putting it by Carter Hart, put the Rangers up 2-1. to one. Then at 12-14 of the second period, Barkley Goudreau put the Rangers up 3-1. to one. Flyers were really out of sorts at this point. But Scott Lawton makes a real big play for him at 17-56. The Flyers are on the PK. He knocks a pass away, goes in on a breakaway, throws about five or six shoulder fakes and gyrations on Yaro Halak, opens them up, slides at five-hole, gets the Flyers back within a goal. So head to the third period, Flyers down 3-2. Rangers have been great in this situation, only losing once this season when going into the third period uh, with a lead. Jimmy Vesey builds on that lead at 622, uh, off a turnover in the Flyers' D zone, quick bang-bang play, ends up in the back of the net. Then Morgan Frost at 753 picks up the goal, shooting it through the Ranger defenseman's legs. Really got good good whip on the shot, too. It was a good shot. Ends up beating Halak. It's 4-3. And the Flyers, late in the game, head to the power play. And John Tortorella opts with the power play, 5-on-4, to pull the goaltender and make it a 6-on-4. That happened, the, the penalty to Vinny Trocek happened at 16-40. And then eventually, the Rangers score about 170 feet into the empty net. Jacob Truba, I don't even think he looked. I think he just sent it, and it ends up in the back of the net. Then Ryan Lindgren picked up a goal uh, when he was basically had a penalty taken against him with the open net. That's an automatic goal, and the Rangers win 6-3. to three. Real quick, on the empty net goal by Jacob Truba, you know, one of the decisions that I think is really interesting, and I'd love to hear where people weigh in on this, is pulling the goaltender when you're down a goal and on a power play late in a game. You have the 5-on-4 advantage with your goaltender in. And we know that icing the puck is not going to be any penalty for the opposition. They can send it the length of the ice. It's not going to be an icing, which means if it doesn't go in the net, 
they can change. On an icing, you can't change. And it gives you all the incentive in the world to go for the empty net from long range. In a normal circumstance, if you're not shorthanded, you have to get the red line, or preferably get the red line before you go for the empty net so you don't take an icing. So the icing and the fact that it's not in play for the team defending the power play ends up kind of mitigating the advantage that a six-on-four gives you. Now, a six-on-four, yeah, it's a two-man advantage offensively. The problem is it's not like a five-on-three. A five-on-three, there's a total of eight skaters on the ice and preferably in your in the offensive zone. So it's not real congested. When there's six on one side and four on the other, ten total skaters it doesn't give you that same advantage because there's just not enough space for 10 skaters to really work the puck and work the advantage of having two more guys on the ice because it's just crowded. I'm more of a fan of if I got that power play, look, I know the Flyers' power play is not great, but if I got that power play, I'll wait until either very late in that power play or after that power play to pull the goaltender because I've got an advantage already. And I don't know that the two-man advantage of six-on-four is that much with the risk of the other team scoring an empty net goal, basically mitigating the rest of your power play and putting you two goals behind. It's one of those things. I'm not sure of the analytics on it. I'm sure there is analytics on it, but I'm not sure what they are. Uh, I would have preferred probably, though, if John Tortorella didn't pull his goalie uh, when he did that early in the power play. And this isn't just based on the result. I would prefer just the five on four and not take that risk of the empty net goal, which ended up happening. I sound like a Monday morning quarterback, I know, but um, I'm not sure of the analytics, but I'm going to see if I can dig those up. So Flyers lose six to three against the New York Rangers. Um, Kevin Hayes, obviously not back in the lineup. He was the healthy scratch. And, you know, it's interesting because Zach McEwen showed up at the uh, morning skate yesterday on the day of the game, wasn't feeling well, was getting sick. And they sent him home right away, hoping he could get some rest and he could be in the lineup last night against the Rangers. As late afternoon came came up, they realized Zach McEwen was not going to be able to go. go. He wasn't feeling better. And they needed to either put another forward in the lineup or put somebody in the lineup to fill that spot. And Torts opted not to put Kevin Hayes back in the lineup, but forward and run 11 forwards and 7D. So he brings Justin Braun back in the lineup, who was going to be a healthy scratch with Tony D'Angelo returning. Now, Justin Braun only played in the game, I think, four minutes and 11 seconds. Obviously, didn't see a lot of ice time when you got 7D. There's a little less ice time to go around, but and he's going to ride his big horses in a close game. And Torts is going to ride his big horses in a close game. Braun, uh, Braun excuse me, saw four minutes and 41 seconds of ice time. And Nick Sealer saw 8-11. So Cam York had 17 minutes. Sanheim had just under 19. 17 and a half for Ristolainen. Provorov basically 22. And Tony D'Angelo, because he saw 7 minutes and 15 seconds of power play time, 24 minutes and 26 seconds. The decision not to put Hayes back in the lineup when you had another forward go down, it told me that he needed to put him in the press box to really make his point. Rescinding it and putting him in the lineup wouldn't have spoken to the true consequence for the play that Torts doesn't like. And we talked to Torts before the game. It wasn't about 
the turnover against New Jersey that we talked about here and we've seen on social media quite a bit. It wasn't about the penalty against New Jersey. It's about the things that Kevin Hayes needs to do in games, away from the puck, on the ice, off the ice, his preparation, all those things go into the decision. And Torts is a guy that obviously preaches accountability, is a guy that lives by accountability, and is not going to just overlook something because a player on his team has the most points. Kevin Hayes has 29 points in 31 games played. He's not going to overlook it. He can't continue to, he can't just look the other way. What he said about it, John Tortorella, before the game yesterday, on scratching his top scorer, he said, it's kind of a big picture thing in my mind as far as team concept. He said, I'll put it to you this way. I can't keep looking by things just because we're worried about scoring. I've got to look at the big picture of what this team is going to be, what the standard is of how we have to play. That far outweighs losing some offense in a particular game. Look, obviously the Flyers are a team that are bereft of scoring. They don't score a lot of goals. They don't have a lot of you know, creative, skilled offensive playmakers. And, and Hayes has put up points. So for him to not put him back in the lineup and continue the consequence or the accountability is, is pretty telling. We'll see if Kevin Hayes gets back in on Tuesday. I don't know that that's a slam dunk decision. We'll see. But we'll see if he's back in against Columbus and it was just a one-game thing or what it is beyond this. Maybe, maybe some of those, the reasoning for why he's back or not back on Tuesday depends on the conversation and how it went between John Tortorella and Kevin Hayes, whether there's an understanding. So there's a lot of variables here, but Tuesday will be fascinating. You know, accountability, and I see a lot of this on social media, you know, people ripping torts for taking their top scorer out. I know Keith Yandel, who's good friends with Kevin Hayes, had some things to say that it's a stupid thing to do, basically, you know, healthy scratching your top forward when you're a team that has trouble scoring. But you know, accountability, it either is there or it's not. It's either for everyone or it's for no one. So for years and years, so many of these people screaming that it was idiotic to hold Kevin Hayes accountable by scratch, healthy scratching him are also the ones that have been screaming that there's no accountability. So you can't have it both ways. It's either it's accountability and it's full time or they're you're not going to have account- it's going to be selective accountability. And I know there's different rules for different athletes. You know, a, a franchise quarterback gets a lot more latitude than a, a second ra- a you know, a second string running back. Some guys are more important to the team than others. That that happens in team sports. And there are different rules. But Kevin Hayes was not playing to a standard on and off the ice that John Tortorella has demanded. And that's the byproduct. You're going to sit in the press box. And I'm sure it's embarrassing for Hayes. And that was a team that he played for for many years, the New York Rangers. You know, I'm so – I look at it and I say, okay, I I think the accountability is good. I do. You know, I looked up the literal definition of accountability. And it says accountability is the obligation to explain, justify – and take responsibility for one's actions. Accountability is the state of being accountable. 
Then it also says accountability is often discussed with transparency and consequences. This typically involves keeping people and organizations accountable by making their actions visible and having consequences when those actions are not acceptable. So I know some people really want, you know, a good explanation why you would scratch your top point getter. I think the explanation has been there all along. Nobody is immune to doing what this coach wants, and nobody is immune to a high standard of play. If it falls off, there's going to be accountability, and it's going to come in different forms. Maybe it's a period benching. Maybe it's a skip a shift. Maybe it's into the press box. You know, where the coach goes with the the penal part of accountability is something that is debatable, no doubt about it. But if you're trying to build a new standard and a new culture, and it's centered around a, high, a higher standard and accountability, you can't let anybody slide, whether that's Kevin Hayes or anyone else. It's just, it won't work that way. All right, uh, real quick, um, couple of things too. Since we last spoke, um, obviously Lucas Sedlak has decided to go back to uh, Chechia for personal reasons, wanted to be closer to his fiance. Um, came over to the NHL after having three good years in the KHL. Wanted to see if he could be a top six forward in the NHL after having some offensive success over there. And has decided that he wants to play more, wants to be closer to his family. So uh, he has left the team. He's been put on unconditional waivers, and his contract will be terminated today. That does open up a contract for the Flyers, who were at 50. And when Sedlak's contract comes off, uh, they will be at 49. I think the assumption is from a lot of people that Anisimov will grab that contract. Artem Anisimov, who's with the Phantoms right now and playing really well, it, would he grab that contract and come up? I, I don't know that that's going to happen. First of all, I think they like that Anisimov's down there helping some younger players as a veteran influence. And I think the team wants to look at young guys to find out what they are at the NHL level, what, they, what they're capable of. So they can get that information, not just for the coaching staff, for the entire organization, management, everybody, to find out who's who and what's what. So Lucas Sedlak, short tenure here. I liked him as a player. I thought he could hang around the NHL for a couple of years in like a fourth-line role, make pretty good money. But he's decided to go back home, and I'll never fault a, fault a guy uh, for wanting to go back home and be closer to his family, especially after the last couple of years with the pandemic and everything that every, everybody went through. So the Flyers recall Kiefer Bellows. He got into the lineup last night. Uh, they also placed Cam Atkinson on injured reserve. And I'm not sure, Brian Smith brought this up in our pregame show. I'm not sure if this was just a paper transaction of IR to be able to call Kiefer Bellows up, or if this is actually a setback in his injury, or I don't know. But maybe we'll get that answer in due time. Also, D'Angelo uh, was reactivated last night for the Flyers. So... Lots of things to go over. Now, the 21 games in 40 days that the Flyers just completed, only one other team is going to go through a stretch like that this season. It's the St. Louis Blues. But 21 games in in 40 days, here's the numbers, how it breaks down. The Flyers had four wins, 12 losses, and five overtime shootout losses. So basically, a win-loss record of 4-17. and They had 49 goals for, which is 2.33 average goals per game. They allowed 78 goals, which is an average of allowing 3.71 goals per game. They went 7 for 53 
on the power play, 13%. And on the PK, they killed off 40 of 57 opposition power plays, 71%. The two things I look at there, the two biggest numbers, obviously, other than the record, are PP percent and PK percent. 13% on the power play is way too low in today's NHL. And 71% on the PK is way too low as well. That's got to be north of 80% that you kill off. And you've got to score goals, even for any team, at about 18 to 22% on the power play. That's why their goals for number is so low. Now, it's not hard to figure out why. They don't have a ton of high-end talent. It, totally get it. But that's why you end up with that record of 4, 12, and 5 over that 21 games. Get a little bit of a break. Not, no practice today. Uh, they'll be back at practice tomorrow and then uh, in t- are at Wells Fargo Center on Tuesday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And then Thursday, 2 o'clock game, an odd 2 o'clock game in the afternoon on a weekday uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs on the road. And I'm told this is because it's kids' day. So they'll have a bunch of kids at the rink. Maybe like schools will be there. I'm not sure. But um, that's what's going on. That's why the 2 o'clock puck drop on Tuesday against a very good Toronto Maple Leafs team. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this one. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. Bill Meltzer will join us for his weekly visit. So everybody, enjoy your Sunday. We'll talk to you tomorrow with Bill Meltzer on a brand new episode of Flyers Daily. Makes you wanna have the other half die. Other half die. Makes you